What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, you're listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. And today, we are talking strike a very big deal and it weighed heavy on us but at some point you have to say no we're not going to take this anymore you people are crazy what are you doing you may have seen the headlines by now the hollywood actors are joining the hollywood writers on the picket line the writers have been striking since may On this Thursday, though, the Screen Actors Guild decided to strike after negotiations with the major studios broke down. Going to talk about all of this with Lucas Shaw. He covers the entertainment industry for Bloomberg. Lucas, hey. It is great to be here. I mean, let's just get into it. What does the SAG strike mean besides the actors cannot act? The SAG strike means that paired with the writer's strike that you mentioned, you have a lot of different productions that are not happening. So the, the writer strike already froze a lot because the, the writers went and protested at a bunch of places. You had a bunch of writer and producers who wouldn't work. SAG adds you know, another dimension that there's some shows that were ongoing uh, because in, the scripts were done and they were kind of pushing through. Those aren't going to happen anymore. There are certain types of you know unscripted shows or talk shows that have SAG members as hosts or as participants. Those will stop. Um, And then there's a lot of projects that are coming in the offing that also won't happen because, you know, you think about how a project is done and sure, they they film it on set, but then there'll be work that happens after that. There'll be, you know, voice work that they have to do. There'll be Mm -hmm. reshoots, things like that, that can't happen. And so some of that, you know, we won't feel right away. But when you look at some of the movies coming out later this year, some of the projects certainly coming out early next year, those can't be finished now. What specific projects going on right now are currently on hold? Well, you have projects that were supposed to go or about to go into production. So Abbott Elementary, which was going to start writing in early May, writer strike stopped that. Who knows when that's going to come back? And then you have some that had continued during the writer strike that the actor strike should end, right? So Ryan Murphy had a bunch of shows going that were filming on the East Coast that now have to now have to stop. You have oh, shows. rats. Yeah, I know. I feel bad for him. So you're, it's, it's really, at this point, it's, it's 
international shows that can continue. The one interesting one that I saw earlier today was House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spinoff. Oh yeah, they're doing uh, that in, in the UK to get around all this strike stuff, huh? That, that can continue because almost all of the cast of that is in a different UK union. Huh. Well, and also, and I just found this out when I was reading up on this today, when the actors are striking, they also can't promote stuff. They can't go to Comic-Con. They really can't be doing press. Yeah. So all the movies that are coming out for the rest of summer, early and and in early fall, depending on how this how this goes, will stop. You know, there is a there are press tours happening right now for the Barbie movie, for Oppenheimer coming that both of which are coming out next week. Um, and then certainly, you know, later this year, you see actors having to to come home because they can't promote anymore. They're not even supposed to talk about these projects on social media. That's gonna be major. We're gonna notice it. I feel like with the writer's strike you could have gotten away with not noticing because all these streamers had shows stockpiled. But once the actors stop showing up to everything, that's going to be felt. Well, and and you could feel the writer's strike if you were, say, a a diehard viewer of Late Night, right? Because that Mm. immediately went off the air. There were certain types of of shows that people felt that you're right, that streaming services have stockpiled a lot. And so they were sitting there when when the writer strike started saying, you know, we can certainly last the next several months without new projects. I do think that September is a little bit of a of a tipping point just because they have to program for next year. Oh. But with, with the actors strike, you know, you will start to feel because what's it going to be like if you have, you know, Tom Cruise is on this big Mission Impossible press tour and he's not supposed to be talking about this anymore. Or the, the the cast of Barbie is going around the world to these different premieres and all of a sudden Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling and Dua Lipa, I mean, maybe not Dua Lipa because I don't know if she's SAG, but they're supposed to come <laughs> home and, and, and not do it anymore. I want us to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk with you, Lucas, about what exactly the actors are asking for. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What are these actors fighting for, Lucas? In broad strokes. 
The simplest, of course, is money, right? You know, any okay. dispute between a union or a guild and their business partner, it comes down to money. So that's, you know, they want to be paid more, especially in something called residuals, which is what they get paid for, uh, you know, when a project is rerun, they want more money for their pension plan, they want more money for healthcare, you know, they want more money in success. You know, one of the big arguments that's happened as the, the entertainment business has transitioned from linear cable and movies and theaters to streaming is streaming services don't pay in the traditional sense in when a project is successful, right? You know, mm -hmm. they pay you more money up front, sort of buy you out of those rights. And you do get paid in success in that if there's a second season of a show or a third season, you can negotiate hit, more. Your salary goes up, but you don't get that idea. You know, a movie comes out and it's a huge hit. Like again, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, he has a portion of what's called the back end where he gets paid a share. Huh of revenue or profits from that title. That doesn't really uh -huh. happen in streaming. And actors are asking for some version of that. I don't know that they're going to get it, but it's something that they're asking for. But as soon as you start to hear them say how bad it is for them, you're kind of on their side. There was this big article in The New Yorker this week where all of the cast members from Orange is the New Black, which made Netflix Netflix, they were saying the whole run of that show, a lot of them had to have second jobs because they weren't paid enough. That's wild to me. So I read that piece. Michael Schulman, who wrote it, has done a lot of really good work talking to sort of your your run-of-the-mill employee during the strike. I will say a couple of caveats I thought to that. One, okay. Netflix was brand new at the time. So you're never going to get paid, at least when it started. So you're not going to get paid a ton upfront from a new service that's figuring out how the economics work. Two, mm. they talked to a bunch of the sort of working class actors, if you will say, people who were sort of guest stars, not the big stars. Because the big stars, as that show went on, did get paid a lot more money, right? Because that show became a big thing and they were getting hundreds of thousands of dollars an episode. Maybe not as big as some other shows, but they get paid. And I think that gets at one of the, the big issues in the entertainment business right now and why we're seeing so much labor unrest is that the people at the top of the entertainment business are doing just fine. Yo, can anyone make the case that Zaslav deserves that salary? What is it, $50 million? And that's in, a, that's in an off year. <laughs> wow. David um, Zaslav, who was the head of Warner Brothers Discovery. The CEO Discovery. of Warner Brothers yeah. Discovery. Yeah, the CEOs of these companies doing just fine. The biggest television creators, your Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy, doing just fine. The biggest movie stars and TV stars doing just fine. You know, Wednesday is a big hit for Netflix. You know who's going to get paid a lot for season two? Jenna Ortega. The star and she should. Of, she yeah. carries that show where the, the the money hasn't flowed through as much is that middle class in Hollywood, much as it has in so many other sectors of the economy, has gotten far more challenging. Mm. So I remember hearing about what the writers were asking for as they went on strike in early May, residuals being a really big thing there, and also um, having writers' rooms that have enough writers. When it comes to the residuals question, do the actors and the writers want the same thing in the same way or is it different? It's similar, you know, in that they want more. And that also ties into what we're talking about with being paid in success. There also is a desire on a part of a lot of the guilds to get paid more for foreign residuals. Because one of the big issues is, you know, these streaming services like Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus, a lot of their customers, and in some cases, the majority of their customers live outside of the US, but the formula or the residuals that they get paid 
for foreign viewers don't even compare to what they get paid in the U.S. Hmm. Now, this is one area where the directors, which did reach a deal with the studios, did a fair amount of work. They got a pretty significant increase in those foreign residuals. And I think the studios were hoping that that would be enough for the writers to come back, at least on that issue, and for the actors. To be honest, I don't know if they were okay on that point because there's so many other issues on which they agreed that even if they agreed or were willing to take the director's deal on those foreign residuals, there's a bunch of other things that that get in the way. Yeah. I should say one unifying issue, certainly for the writers and the actors, which I don't think people anticipated being an issue even four months ago, is, is artificial intelligence. And that is the issue that looms over all of this. So when the writers went on strike in May, they were saying, we don't want these studios to start having AI write scripts. And I remember in May saying to myself, well, the writers have that concern. You can't replace the actors. But it turns out now I'm hearing rumblings that the actors are scared that these big studios might start using their images and likenesses and with AI have them on screen when it's not actually them on screen? What's going on there? Yeah, there are a lot of concerns around the use of AI as it pertains to writers, to actors. That was not an issue in the negotiation really with the directors because a a, a robot is not going to replace a director. Now, I have my, (laughs) I have my, I'm pretty skeptical that AI is going to replace a lot of the professionals, right? You know, I don't think ChatGPT is going to write the script for an HBO show. I don't think they're going to use uh, kind of an artificial person to be the star of a show or bring back dead actors to be the main star. But there are concerns about how they're going to use their likeness. You know, if it, instead of doing a reshoot where mm-hmm. an, some actor has to come back for eight or 12 days of work, likely oh. getting paid for that, you could imagine that they'll just use artificial intelligence oh. to, to do that. Or another example, I mean, you have, when you think about the, the guild, the, sa- the SAG guild, that includes, it includes, you know, stunt doubles, it includes all, t- it includes people who do bit parts. Think about extras. If a movie typically would need hundreds of extras for a scene, you could imagine that they'll just replace those with digital people. Now they do that already in some cases and they'll do it more. So there are, I think a lot of these jobs on the margins or extra work on the margins where people are concerned that they're going to get replaced. And then obviously there's just broader, just existential dread about what is AI going to do that I think leads people on both sides to be a little bit unreasonable because they are so concerned about what the future holds. Mm. So I have been seeing a few tweets saying that one of the things that big studios have been asking for in these negotiations with the actors, which hit the logjam this week, they were asking for some kind of formula that would have actors come in for a day to share their image and likeness and words, I guess, with AI, get paid something, and then the studios would have the right then to use all that stuff via AI in perpetuity. That was, so it was, it was funny because the studios came out and they tried to get ahead of the discussion of the term, right? When the writers went on strike, it was the writers who said, this is what we offered and this is mm-hmm. what the studios said in response. Mm-hmm. And it made it seem like the writers offered a bunch and the studios didn't want to yeah. engage. And so yeah. the studios this time kind of got ahead of it and they said that they offered a groundbreaking AI proposal which protected performers' digital likenesses including a requirement for performer's consent. Now, Just saying AI scares the actors, though. They don't want any AI. 
There's that, but also both of those things can be true. It can be a groundbreaking proposal which protects their likenesses and asks their consent. And that consent is you show up for a day and then we can use it. Now, my assumption is long term, there's going to be some formula where or some system where this is going to work, right? Where you're going to use AI and the actor agrees to give it to you. But the actors have to make sure that they get paid every time mm -hmm. their likeness is used. So what we're saying is there's going to be a brand new industry of AI agents who handle your AI deals. Ugh, vomit. <laughs> vomit. Uh, hopefully I, I'm going to, I'm going to hope that the traditional talent agents can figure out how to do those deals. They get, they, get, they make enough money <laughs> they sure do. to do it. Sam Sanders here to tell you that this summer, the first ever Intuit book club is happening. You've heard me say it before on this show, but it's happening. We are reading The Late Americans. It's a new novel by one of my favorite authors, Brandon Taylor. You might have read his other book, Real Life. The Late Americans is his new one. I want you to go get it. I want you to read it. And I want you to send us questions here on the show about the book. Because later on in August, we'll have Brandon on Intuit to talk about his book and answer your book club questions. All right? We're reading this thing together. We are very literate human beings. Let's do it. Intuit Book Club, The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. A discussion coming later in August. But for now, get that book and read it and tell me what you think about it. Email us about the book or whatever. Intuit at Vulture.com. Intuit at Vulture.com. Book Club. Wow. Just like Oprah. Love it. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. So we have talked a lot about what the actors want, what the writers want, but we haven't really discussed in detail what these big studios want. What are they hoping to get out of all of this? What is their... What's their tech? What do they want? Well, they want... They want a deal. Okay. Um, you know, for for all... There's this narrative, I think, that's taken hold in a lot of places that the studios are actually thrilled secretly to have this labor stoppage because they get to save a bunch of money. And there's no, corporations like stability. Corporations want things to be stable. That's yes. it. 
there there is a degree of course to which yes they're all facing pressure from wall street and they 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 do want to save some money and if they can cut some deals great but you're right corporations want things to be stable because that allows them to predict their earnings to mm-hmm. their investors it just it's better for them as some members of the guild have told me the AMPTP which represents these studios their job is to go in every few years and get a deal where it's like okay we're going to pay them a 3 to 5% increase and I can guarantee you that every time and everyone will be happy and things will be stable. And so the studios would like to reach a deal, but they're not going to do a deal that requires them to completely overhaul the way that they do business. And they, one of the reasons why we're, we're at this sort of unprecedented moment of labor stoppage in the entertainment business, you know, it's been six decades since both the writers and actors were on strike at the same time, Wild. is because the studios and these big media conglomerates spent the last decade or at least the last five or six years and going all in on streaming and then they spent so much money and they got to this point where other than netflix none of these streaming services really make any money their cable networks are collapsing Mm -hmm. or at least losing viewers and wall street has sort of woken up to this idea that oh maybe we the math ain't mathing yeah and so they're not feeling especially generous right now but Uh, isn't it all their fault anyway well, it certainly was their decision to go all in on streaming and spend in the way that they did. And it was their decision to structure the business in the way that they did. And they they now have a lot of regrets about that. And you have these companies sort of casting about trying to figure out what the right strategy is. And I think the the you know, the people who make these shows say, This is not our problem or this is the mess you created. Now, I will say that there were certain things that people agreed to when it was felt new and fun, right? Like one of the big things that they're fighting over is the lack of transparency or the lack of data that people get as to how a show does. Yes, because when you know how much your show is being viewed, you know how much to argue to be paid for it. Well, so the interesting thing, I would actually argue that the lack of transparency is better at helping the studios hide their failures than hiding their hits. Because we know know what's a hit. Wednesday was a hit. Stranger Things. A hit. The Ted Lasso, clearly a hit. But the lack of transparency has allowed these streaming services to disguise the fact that the vast majority of these shows that they make are failures, and they've spent a lot of money on shows that don't work. Mm. Okay. Okay. How far apart are the two sides? How far are the writers from the studios? How far are the actors from the studios? How long will it take them to get to a middle? It seems like they're all pretty far apart. I mean, federal mediators were sent in this week at the last minute. Like if Joe Biden is sending in people, (laughs) it must be bad, huh? The writers and, and studios, as best I can discern, didn't even really try. The writers put forth some, some proposals and there wasn't much of a negotiation beyond that. There was an assumption going into those talks that there would be a strike. I think they were pretty far apart. And they again, they didn't try that hard. And the studio strategy, as they have done before, was they were going to try to get the directors and the actors and in so doing sort of compel the writers back to the table, which is what happened the last time there was a writer strike in 07 and 08. Now, the writers still feel like they won that strike. That went on for about 100 days, and they did get some concessions that got them paid in the streaming landscape. That was very important. The actors and studios, they feel closer. You know, there there were real negotiations. There were real efforts to do a deal. You made the point about federal mediators that came in. You only do that 
if you're trying to, okay. to reach a compromise. Okay. I, I think maybe I'm crazy. No, um, that sounds about right. But they they're far enough apart that they have even if they got kind of close, they have now retreated to their respective corners, and they're both saying that the other side is, is being unreasonable. I think Fran Drescher, who is kind of the head honcho with SAG-AFTRA, described the offer from the studios as um, insulting. Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, which is by most measures the biggest entertainment company in the world, said that the writers and actors are being unrealistic. And we've now entered this period where we're going to hear a lot of rhetoric from both sides about how the other side sucks. And oh, listen, yeah. There we're will be no, no progress for a while. You know, when the writer's strike started, I predicted probably ignorantly, that it would last until about October. Um, Nothing that I've heard makes me think there's going to be any movement anytime soon. The only reason I'm holding on to hope, because let's be clear, this is all bad, right? A long labor stoppage doesn't really benefit anyone. Hopefully, there is some fruitful deal in the end. But in the meantime, it's just painful. Mm -hmm. And But if, if they don't do a deal by the fall by October, early, early November, most people think that there won't be a deal till next year because nobody's going to negotiate over Whoa. the holidays. So, so then what does that look like to the average TV and UV viewer? If, this, if these strikes go on through the rest of the year, what's it like come Thanksgiving? Is it just going to be no film promotion, no t- new TV shows? Like, what does it look like? From my conversations with the people who run these different media companies, they circled the fall, September, October, as if they don't get back in production by then, it will start to really impact what they can release, not just later this year, but especially next year, right? We're already at a point where the the kind of traditional fall TV season is compromised because shows that were going to start their writer's room in may and june haven't and so you're not even if there's a deal soon those aren't going to get up and running until later this summer early fall shows won't be ready until later this year so that concept that's gone the streaming services have a little more flexibility because they've stockpiled a lot of stuff and they can start to space it out and you might feel that they're releasing a little bit less but given the the sheer mass of of projects that get released you probably won't notice it all that much but when we're talking january february march of next year there's not going to be a lot to watch. And so, it, you know, we'll have sports and we'll have news and and I don't oh, know what Lord. else will be available. Oh, Lord. Ugh. Can they still shoot reality shows? Can I still get like the next season of Queer Ultimatum or whatever? Uh, that is one. So the, the types of programming that are not covered under the, the current guilds deals that have lapsed, reality, a lot of reality TV can still be shot. So, you know, your, your next season of... Uh, of Vanderpump for those people out there or The Bachelor or whatever it is, a lot of those can still be made. Now, there are questions. There may be people who choose to try to not work and be in solidarity because they are maybe mm-hmm. a part of one guild or mm-hmm. they're under a different contract that doesn't hasn't lapsed. I'll be curious how the studios and networks handle that. You could see them try to, you know, if if people try to break up the reality shows, I think the networks and studios will find ways around it and they'll get scabs or whatever it is. Those will continue. Animation is a really tricky one. Animation is under a different union. And so those projects should continue. But you do have writers who write for animated projects who may say, I don't want to work on this, even though I'm under you know, under a different contract than I'm supposed to. Mm. But some of that, some of that work will continue. So it won't just be news and sports. You will have some reality. 
you will have some animation, you will have some of these variety programs, but there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not available. Yeah. Why don't these executives like Zaslav, like Bob Iger, why don't they just, as a goodwill gesture and to, I don't know, maybe help foster some goodwill between both sides, why don't they sacrifice some of their salary? Why doesn't Zaslav say, I'll take 30 million next year, not 50, and that 20 can go to writers and actors? I just have been thinking the whole time, that's an easy way to just like be nice and they can afford it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They are so sensitive to to that issue. I the one that I don't get se- step back even before the writer strike. You know, mm-hmm. these were companies that were firing thousands of workers. Yeah. You know, Disney. Disney was laying off people who were like making not even quite enough to make ends meet. And so I never understood. I I I I hear you on that point. It seemed like a, a no brainer, goodwill gesture to look like if you're Bob Iger and you have spent your whole career, you know, nurturing this image of your, you know, a titan of industry. He he had political ambitions. He wants to be seen as a serious person and with who, who kind of always does the right thing. He, his his image was pretty great for a lot of his career. Why not say, you know, I'm going to donate half my salary and give your workers the option of not getting fired? And yes. say, or, or, and one of the things that they'll push back on often is that a lot of that salary is in stock, right? It's like, okay, well, so take that stock. There you and go. Offer give it, it to, to the, the employees. Say, exactly. you know, employees, we're going to have to cut your salary, but in, maybe instead of giving you your full salary, we'll give you 50% of your salary and we can give it 50% in options that I had and I'm giving to you instead. Mm-hmm. I don't really get why they never saw that as an opportunity, um, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's it's certainly not something I've heard they've ever seriously considered. Interesting. Does the public care about this at all? And will <laughs> actors striking make them care? Public interest is relatively low. Even if the vast majority of the people who are on strike don't make a lot of money because it's it, it feels to people like it's rich people fighting with rich people. And it feels to people like it's this crazy Hollywood town fighting with each other. And it doesn't feel as real as, I don't know, when Starbucks or Amazon or some of these companies that touch people every day try to to unionize or, or have labor disputes. I do think that the actors striking will bring more attention to it. When the writers are striking and they're picketing and they're talking, you know, you have some people who are marginally famous and you mm-hmm. have some some famous actors who come in mm-hmm. to support. But mm-hmm. when you're going to suddenly have, you know, there was a, a letter that was signed ahead of this by some of the most famous people in the world, you know, expressing support, saying, you know, you should go forward with this or you shouldn't yeah. compromise too much. Well, like if, Meryl Streep is like, I'm yeah. down. If if you have Meryl Streep marching outside of Yo. Netflix or marching outside Yo. of Warner Brothers Discovery, that's going to get people's attention. If we have Meryl Streep out there marching as Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> that could fix everything. She and Emily Blunt can uh, can yes. reunite. Yes, yes. So then what happens then if the public cares more? Does that even change anything? You know, I've asked members of the of the Writers Guild, they don't feel like the the... Look, the public support helps on the margins, right? Because it makes a David Zaslav, it makes a Ted Sarandos from Netflix, it makes a Bob Iger from Disney. It makes these people feel bad because they think that everyone's against them and they think that they're misunderstood and they feel like the bad people. But when it comes to the actual negotiations, I don't think it influences all that much. 
you know, what's going to make, what's going to influence this is do, uh, is there a, a, a segment of the union that suddenly feels like they're really struggling and they just want to compromise because school is in session and they need to pay for it and they're not having money coming in or on the, on the other side, do the studios look at their slate and go, Holy crap, we're not going to have anything to put out. And sure. Maybe we save money for a couple of months over the summer, but this is going to lead to a dramatic decrease in subscribers. If we can't offer people new shows, mm. it's going to be the more fundamental business dynamics that lead to a deal. I don't gotcha. think it's going to be the external pressures. Okay. Can we take any lessons from the last time the actors and the writers were striking at once. This was in 1960. Hasn't happened since then. <laughs> Can we predict at all what might happen now based on what happened then? I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I am an expert in the <laughs> 1960s. Neither of us were born, strike. I'm guessing. We, I yeah. don't think we were. Yeah. You know, if we were to draw, a le- there, there obviously were lessons to be drawn from the last writer's strike. But this is different from then because the the actors did ultimately reach a deal there. And so I think in this case, if the actors, whenever the actors or if the actors do reach a deal before the writers, it will apply more pressure to the writers, but also hopefully it would work out some of the other issues that could lead to a deal. But I also think that, you know, last time there was ultimately some dissension among the rank and file of the writers there were sort of two wings of the guild at that time mm. and at least for now the 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 writers do feel more unified they're not sort of rival factions where there are disagreements obviously is there are a lot of members of these guilds who are actively working and want to get back to work and mm-hmm. don't necessarily agree with all of the things being asked for and then there are a lot of people who are more strident but it's going to be really interesting to see which of the two sides has fissures first and and does that lead to any you know back channel negotiations do, do a couple of studios peel off and try to do their own deal do is there a renegade wing of one of these guilds that decides they want to make peace yeah. um that's that's where you know a month or two months from now assuming this is still going things could get really interesting well and this is the thing that i keep reading about the chatter, at least in L.A. right now, is that the studios want this thing to kind of play out for a while because they've got more money in the bank than these actors and writers do. And so what I hear is that the studios are hoping that as we approach the holidays and folks are broke and not making rent, they'll be much more likely to give the studios what they want. What do you make of that? You've been seeing these same tweets. Uh a lot of that was re- there was an article that was published this week that had an, a couple of non very incendiary anonymous quotes um, to that effect. That's the way um, Hollywood works. Anonymous I, quotes. <laughs> I am. Uh, I would say that there is a there is a kernel of truth in there, which is that yes, the studios believe that they can probably hang on longer than some of the members of the guild in part because look they're still making money from their library they have stockpiled some things Mm -hmm. and there's a certain point at which if the strike goes on long enough that they can cut some deals or cut some projects that they wish they hadn't done in the first place in their moment of streaming exuberance or over exuberance i do i think the notion that they're trying that you know they they want to have writers not be able to pay their mortgages and all that. I, I think that's BS. 
you know, to, to your point or to our conversation earlier about stability, I think these media companies at a certain point want to get back yeah. to work and don't yeah. really want to strike. Yeah. And I don't think they're like evil, venal people. Are there incentives to try to make as much money as possible? Are many of them selfish? Of course. If I want to read the tea leaves to see which way this thing is going, what should I be watching right now? Well, I would probably put your head in, in the sand for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. Because um, I don't think that anything substantial is going to happen. There's going to be, you know, the, the actors are going to go on the picket lines. They're going to make a lot of noise. They're going to try to apply more pressure. And the studios are probably going to gather and try to figure out on on what are the points where they can find some common ground with the actors and maybe come forward with a proposal that is more likely to do a deal. Because I, I I do think that the studios still feel more optimistic about a deal with the actors than they do with the writers, unless there comes to be some point at which, you know, whether officially or unofficially, the actors and, and writers are a little more in lockstep. Uh, but I don't, I think this is one of those stories where you're going to have a lot of noise for a couple of weeks uh, and then you'll start to hear the real talk behind the scenes. Okay. So I was going to close by asking you for any predictions, but it seems like the only prediction you can offer right now is buckle up. It's going to be a while. Uh, I would say buckle up. It's going to be a while is a fair one. And that I, I predicted October at the start. I'm just going to stick with it until we hit October and there is no deal. And then I have egg on my face, but uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's at least for both of these strikes to be over. It's going to be a while. Lucas Shah, thank you again for your time. Tell our listeners where to find you. Uh, you can find all my writing for for Bloomberg, the website, the magazine, including a weekly newsletter on Sundays uh, called Screen Time. And then uh, I'm also a regular on Matt Bellany's podcast, The Town. And then my last plug is we're doing a big conference in the fall, uh, also called Screen Time. And I'm really hoping that the actor strike does not mean that some of the actors we've booked will pull out of that. <laughs> Good luck, fingers crossed. <laughs> Thanks again to Lucas Shaw. Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. This show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, Taka Zen, and Ula Wakimi Aladesui. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder and the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we are back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Till then, if you know a writer or an actor, give them a hug. Okay, bye. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. 
In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.